Here we are with episode 56 of the Florida Trail Runners Podcast. This time around, we've got two-time Olympian and American record holder in the 15K, Todd Williams. He's also a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Now, it's truly an honor to have him on the podcast. But for today's episode, it's just going to get a little bit more serious. And honestly, hopefully we can learn just a little something. By now, I think we've all heard about what happened to Eliza Fletcher. And, you know, I really wanted to bring someone on that that really knows that type of subject matter and can teach and encourage us all to run safer. Todd is based out of Monroe, Michigan, and he operates Monroe Jiu-Jitsu and is the founder of Run Safer. Basically, it's a seminar to teach you safety techniques and tips and, and how to help protect yourself in dangerous situations. Now, he might not be from the state of Florida, but he did live here for a little bit and he set that American record in Jacksonville. But of course, hey, you know, take the information for what it's worth with an open mind. You know, there's truly no perfect answer to anything, but hopefully the things that we talk about can help their suggestions to really just help keep you safe. And also, of course, in light of everything, Lewis Coco, as you know, the awesome runner and race director of the upcoming Miami 100 here soon, he's also hosting an in-depth self-defense seminar on October 22nd at Hero Martial Arts in Palmetto Bay, Florida at no cost. It starts at 10 a.m., so those who need to travel, you know, from out of town, you've got plenty of time to get there. You just need to RSVP. If you're looking for more information on that, hey, just check out the Facebook, hit Lewis up, and uh, you can RSVP that way. But yeah, huge shout out to Lewis, you know, for doing that and hopefully helping more people in our running community. So hey, with that, let's kick it off with Todd Williams and Run Safer. Hey, Joe. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> it's good. 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 Yeah, yeah. it's been it, over the last couple of days. It's definitely been, uh, you know, with that with the new with the that headline news with the the runner attacked in Memphis. Yeah, it's been my phone's been kind of ringing off the hook and messages and, and different opportunities where I can go and possibly speak and, and do presentations for Run Safer. Kind of a, a sad way to get a lot of attention, but it's um it is you know the, the stuff that we're going to talk about today is. It's just reality, but yeah, there's there's just the situations out there where where people are being assaulted or attacked on the whether out for a jog, run, or, or walk, and it's it's just I don't like to I, you know it's sad that I have to do presentations on it, but it, it's just reality. Yeah, well, I was talking to one of my friends, and I was like, yeah, you know, and someone's like, oh, you know, that's kind of cool. I'm like, yeah, it's cool that I can get an Olympian on the podcast, not really under the right circumstances, but hey, you know. The only person that I really know was your name for this kind of topic. I'm like, well, that's the only person that I could really think of that is a, you know, kind of a topic matter expert. Yeah. You know, and when I started it, you know, when the idea came up, came about in 2011, 2012, and then, you know, officially when I hooked up with ASICS back in 13, I'm not with ASICS anymore as far as a, a brand sponsor for Run Safer, but 
you know, it was something with my background in running. And then, you know, I, I never really thought about it when I started training jujitsu in 2002. And then, you know, they just merged together. And it's it's a skill set that not, not many have where they have the distance running background, as well as, you know, well, now I'm up over to 20 years of training in self-defense and jujitsu. So, but again, every time that I do the presentations, I, I always lead by saying, you know, it hits the headlines when it happens. And, and but the reality is, you shouldn't be scared every time you go out for a walk, jog, or run because the, it just doesn't happen often. But the key is that when it does happen, that's the reason you want to be prepared. That's the reason you want to listen to the safety tips that we talk about and and the self-defense training possibly that you get into and, and consistently train. Yeah, I think if you imagine yourself like you walk into a massive crowd, ignore all of your athletic ability ignore all your bjj training i mean you kind of feel uncomfortable a little bit like you don't know anyone around you you're not you don't know what to do right and 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 the, and that's the majority of the population right it's like and 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 i always uh, again I, I talk about it all the time i mean it's horrible that you we have to use self-defense it's horrible that there are bad people out there but at the end of the day you know my goal is just like you know i have two daughters and i always talk about them it's like i want them to be as prepared as possible just in case some idiot tries to put their hands on them when they shouldn't put their hands on them and and that's what and that's the way i want everybody i treat everybody like my daughter you know i'm or my daughters i just don't want any thing bad to happen to someone or i want them to have the training to get out of a bad scenario or a bad situation yeah because then it just circles back to that same scenario you are bjj trained now you walk into that massive crowd you can, you can feel confident that you can walk through this crowd and if something were to happen you can at least control the situation yeah and, and you know and, and again it's i feel like bjj or you know a good martial art you know is is important it's also the the it's the mind it's like how you how confident are you you know how you present yourself are you aware of what's going on around you at all times you know i mean the old saying is be aware of your surroundings but at the same time you really have to have your the training in your mind like if somebody does put their hand on my wrist and grab me if somebody tries to throw a punch, if somebody comes out of nowhere and grabs me in a headlock and throws me to the ground or pushes me to the ground, you kind of, that's another part of being experienced is going through scenarios in your head. What would I do with my training if that happened? And am I ready? Um, because a lot of people train, but they, you know, they don't really put themselves in the self-defense scenario of, hey, I'm running across the street at 430 in the morning. Bang, somebody jumps out of a car and they grab me by, and they put me in a bear hug and they're dragging me somewhere. You know, so that's different than just training each and every day on the mat and, and getting stronger. Not to say that it's bad because there's, you know, it's really, really good for you. But again, you can see the difference between training on a mat every day than mentally going over. Hey, let's cover this scenario tonight. You come in, you, you're walking out of a, a bus station or out of the airport and somebody grabs you by the wrist right away. What are you going to do? You know, and that's that's what I try to cover in my school. And, and I think, a, you know, some schools out there do the same thing. But that's the, that's the important part about training for self-defense. Yeah. And I think like, too, it's just staying prepared for anything, not even just running like, you know, like going to the store, you know, going to the airport, going to the beach, really just any aspect in life. Because, I mean, we get prepared for anything that we do. You know, before you go to the store, you grab your wallet, you grab your keys, you grab your phone and you get in your car, you know, before work, you wake up up you shower you feed your dogs you get prepared for your day and the little things you might as well be prepared for more things but i guess before we talk about self-defense and you know obviously the tragic incident with eliza fletcher that's really shooken up the running community i guess we could kick it off with you know a little bit about yourself you know that background i know you're a two-time olympian a u.s 10k cross-country national champion you know you've got the american record in the 15k which also 
set right here in the state of Florida? Yeah, I mean, gosh, I'm 53 years old now. And, you know, when people, you know, they'll ask me, like, yeah, give it give it a little recap on, on my life. Man, it goes first. It goes by so fast. <laughs> it goes by so fast. And um, and you named, you know, you, you just you really mentioned the highlights of my running career. You know, I was blessed to have great people around me. I had a great fan or have a great family. I've had great coaches in my life from my middle school coach to my high school coach to my college coach to my professional coach, you know, in a, in a nutshell, I was just really blessed to have a lot of great people around me. You know, I started in Monroe, Michigan, had some great coaches that, that recognized that I could, that I could run fairly well with hard work. And, you know, for my middle school coach, like, and I like to mention names like coach Klein Smith and coach Monday in middle school. And then they handed me off to my high school coach, coach Bork. And they just kept giving me hard work. And, you know, I listened exactly what they said because my family was always about you listen to what your coaches say. Um, and I worked hard, put in a lot of miles, and I earned a full scholarship to, to go to the University of Tennessee in, in 1987. And there I had another great coach in Coach Doug Brown, and who's a, also an Olympian uh, in the steeplechase. And I just followed his guidance along with Coach George Watts and, and listened to everything they told me to do and put in more and more miles, started doing the 100-mile weeks, started doing the weight room stuff, started list, you know, my nutrition, my food, everything that I had to do to get better. You know, it, it, and I ended up my career at University of Tennessee as an eight-time, eight-time All-American and, and led University of Tennessee to a national title in 1991. And then from there, I jumped into the professional running ranks and blessed to be able to run all around the world and make two Olympic teams and finish 10th in the Olympic Games in Barcelona. And the cool thing about my professional career is just all the great people I got to meet and, and all the great places I got to go. And I spent 11 years, yeah, about 11 years as a professional runner. And then I retired from running in 2002. And from that point, I jumped right into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and, and self-defense training. I think I took one week off of running when I told myself I was going to take a break, but I, I'm too hyper to take a break. <laughs> and um, and then I got into jujitsu and self defense, and I've been going at going at it now for twenty you know twenty plus years. And you know the, the run safer my my run safer company started out of that. Um, my 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 own school here in Monroe, Michigan. I moved from Florida in two thousand and sixteen, and opened up my own school back here in my hometown of Monroe in 2017. And now my goal is just to help as many people as possible and help my community and do everything I can to, to make an positive impact before I check out. That's the goal. Now that I'm old and 53, I just try to stay as active as possible and do as many positive things as I can do while I've got the time to do it. I know jujitsu in like 2000, it was still pretty young. I think like you really started to see it pop up in like 1993, you know, of course with the USC and stuff like that. Cause I've I think like California only had like five gyms at that time too. Yeah. So when I started in Knoxville, so when I started in Knoxville, Tennessee in, in 2002, it was, you know, not many people knew about jujitsu. I just happened. I didn't know that I was going to start jujitsu. I was actually, you know, when I stopped running, I said, I'm just going to lift and try to stay healthy, you know, not going hundred mile weeks, you know, that part of my life was over. And I was, ha I was driving to the weight room one day and I looked over to my right and it said, uh, progressive martial arts, PMA. Gracie Baja Jiu Jitsu. And I'm like, that Jiu Jitsu, that's what that one guy in the UFC. And I followed the UFC. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, I'm like, I'm going to just go in there. And it was a real small storefront, like the smallest gym you could ever think of with a couple mats. And I walked in there and there was a, you know, little Brazilian guy. His name was Elio Seneca Moreira. And he happened to be, you know, if you look him up, like he's a Hall of Famer, like he just happened to be in Knoxville. And, you know, I say the stars were aligned. I walked in and nobody was in this afternoon class. And he goes, You want to try? And I was like, he gave me a loner gi and we went through an hour class and we sparred a little bit because, you know, he asked me if I, you know, if I wanted to spar and I didn't really know what that meant, but I'm like, <laughs> okay, let's go. And so he 
beat my ass <laughs> in a nice way. He beat me up. He beat me up all over the mat in a very nice way. Cause I love Seneca. And, um, and I told him he, after the class, he goes, are you coming back? And I said, man, I said, I'll be back tonight. And he goes tonight. I said, yeah. I said, once I start something, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. And then I went back that night and I haven't stopped since. My second instructor was Padrino Brandao. And the, well, this is before your time. You, yeah, this was years ago. So he was only 30. So he actually started the military combative grappling program. And he was only 30 years old and he was a, he got dual citizenship. He was an army ranger Whoa. And, and he was, a, he was a monster. He's black belt, just a monster on the mat. But he was out there. He had three kids, greatest guy in the world, never drank, never smoked. All he did is jujitsu. All he did is fight for our country, army ranger. He's out doing PT and he had a brain aneurysm and died at the age of 30. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, he was, he's kind of responsible for a lot of the grappling program and um, for the army. Holy cow. That's, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. So his name is Padrino Brandao, you know, and, and, and you're right. The popularity of jujitsu, especially over the last 10 years is just, you know, when I moved to Jacksonville, I think there was three schools in 2004. Now I think there's close to a hundred schools in Jacksonville, Florida, you know, <laughs> that teach jujitsu. You know, it's, it may not be a dedicated jujitsu school, but they teach some form of submission grappling or, you know, jujitsu or no-gi grappling. Um, and then back here, back home in Michigan, I'm going to guess there's probably at least 50 to a hundred schools in the state of Michigan that you can learn jujitsu. So you know, I jumped on in the early stages, but now, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's still new per se to this country. Cause it really didn't get over, you know, start and, until what the early nineties, mid nineties, but it's, it's definitely a, a art that's, that's growing by the day. Yeah. And I mean, with that, I guess kind of related to self-defense, what do you think when people say that BJJ and judo, it's now just all sport. It's not related to handling violence anymore i think there's schools that do i mean my biggest since i came from the you know the old school jujitsu i think there's a lot of great schools out there that cover both i think i think the good schools will talk about scenario based training and say you know where whatever spot you're in when you're training you know think about what would you do if somebody grabs you by the wrist let's say we're doing a technique on grip breaking what would you do if you're at a park and somebody grabs you by the wrist can you use this technique to break free escape and build space and control the distance. Um, if somebody pushes you to the ground and you break fall and somebody's on top of you, well, not just think about the sports aspect, but how can we use these techniques if somebody grabs you like that? How can we create space, get back up as efficient as possible and get the heck out of there? So, you know, no matter what I'm teaching, if I'm teaching for a tournament or if I'm teaching for self, I kind of merge them together and and I, I feel like it's, it's a good mix. And I'm not the only one that does that. I've learned from a lot of great instructors in the United States. Now, to say... Do I believe that there are schools out there that only are teaching for tournament medals and trophies? I do think there's schools like that, and that's the choice they've made. But there, there are great schools out there. They're gonna, they're gonna get you re as ready as possible for a for a self defense situation. But you got to train hard. I mean, that's the one thing about it. There's no quick fixes. When people call me up and they're like, "Hey, do you have self defense classes?" I'm like, "It's just not about cl a class." You know, you can't come in for one class or, or one presentation and that's going to make you ready for somebody grabbing you in a bear hug and trying to pull you somewhere or throw you to the ground. You know, you've got to get used to that physical contact and used to using the technique under under stress where you can have a much better chance to get the heck out of there, stand up, get the heck out and, and save yourself. Yeah, because you only have a split second, like half, literally half a second to make a decision. Yeah. And, and think about all the scenarios, you know, from 
somebody grabbed me by the hair, somebody grabbed me by the shoulder, somebody grabbed me by the wrist, somebody trying trying to grab you from behind and transport you. Kicking you in the you know, there's the, there, it's endless. Comes down to to having the physical and mental training and knowing, hey, if somebody walks up to me and and I'm not and somebody grabs me by the back of the shirt, am I ready? Do can I do it? Can I escape? You know, that's that's the whole thing of training a lot. And even that doesn't 100 percent guarantee anything. You know, then you then you go into the weapon aspect of it. And, you know, there's there's all these different situations. So you do have to find a good home for your self-defense training and make sure that you find an instructor or instructors that are or that are talking about those scary situations you could find yourself in. And then if it happens, you're you're going to be prepared. Don't find a school that's only trying to take your money or trying to belt test you to, to make you feel good. You want to be in a in a school that's going to prepare you for the worst possible scenario. Which, yeah, I guess going into the whole, you know, Eliza Fletcher situation, I feel like people really only hear about the big ones that make the headlines like this one or, you know, the multitude of other ones. But even speaking with some women in you know our Florida community, the attempt seems to happen a lot more than, you know, people think. Yeah. And, and you know, with me doing all the presentations, you know, all over the country, you know, from from Jacksonville, Florida to Anchorage, Alaska to San Diego, California to port, you know, to you name it. Every time I'd fly into these cities, I would just Google assault jogger, walker, runner, right? That popped up in that area. You know, if it's one or if it's 15, <clears throat> like in Chicago or wherever, you know, on the lake, wherever it is, there's usually a scary situation that's happened there. But you're right. When it makes really big news, you know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen. You know, it, it happens seldom where that, where it's really big news. And, and that's where I say, don't wait for the headline, be proactive, find someone in your community. And that, you know, and when I was really hustling and really traveling, I would always leave a local school. I would train at that school and I would try to partner running stores up with, with that local school so they could find, have a local, you know, resource to, to train and train in those situations, because it just sucks that, that anyone has to worry about it when they put their running shoes on and they're heading out the door for a great run or a great walk, but it's just the reality. You know, it, it can happen. It doesn't happen often, but if it does, I just want you to have the tools to be able to break free and not be a victim. That's, that's just, that's, that's reality. And, and it sucks that that is reality, you know, but it is what it is, you know, and, and, you know, getting into that, uh, you know, you know, sometimes I'll get feedback, like we shouldn't have to run a different route. We shouldn't have to go that way or, or not wear that or not or have to buddy up. And I'm like, look, don't yell at me. What I'm trying to tell you is the majority of the attacks or the assaults that occur are because of this. And that's the percentages. So I'm not telling you what to do when you go out. But the bottom line is scary people are never going to go away. It's just not going to happen. There's going to be there's going to be scary people out there that are that are waiting to do something stupid. And I just don't want you to be that person that he's trying to do something stupid too. Yeah, I mean, scary people are always just going to be scary and weirdos are just going to be weirdos. And yeah, I guess. You know, and, and, you know, and to say that, how about, you know, I can I, I give us uh, an example in 1989, you know, a bike trail that I, I've run, I don't know, six, I probably ran 50,000 miles on this bike trail in Knoxville, Tennessee. There was a guy that was exposing himself almost every day back in this back of this trail. You'd run by and he would say something. And then, you know, he was doing this. That's what I remember, you know, in Knoxville as a scary person. My thing is this, like people kind of laugh about it back then, but I'm like, where do you think this can escalate to with this guy? You know, 
he could take that type of behavior to grabbing, you know, to grabbing someone that he feels like he could take advantage of, you know, so the cops should be called because, you know, that's, that's me. And I'm sure all of us have, if we've ran enough miles, you know, I think we've all have stories to say, Hey, this person stopped and said something to me. This person stopped me or almost tried to touch me. This person actually did grab me and I had to break. I think to your point, I think there's probably thousands of stories that no, nobody's even heard of before of, of people being approached in a scary scenario while they're out for a walk, jog, or run. Yeah, and that's the thing with, you know, see something, say something. Like, that weirdo could be lurking around, and he could be thinking about attempting something. And sometimes it's just that attempt. And I guess we can go into, like, how do we prevent something from happening? You know, is it an outlook? Is it, like, a thought process? Because as you mentioned, obviously it's not, you know, the whole put a shirt on don't run in your sports brawl you should never run super early you should never run at night or the things like you know don't run with earbuds on because like the reality of the world is most of us have to run early most of us have to either run at night in the dark we're gonna wear earbuds and it's florida so most of us are not wearing shirts i mean and that's and that's the case and again that's where i've i've done some presentations and when i say hey just be you know if you're gonna run early if you're going to know where you're going to run, know, you know, know your environment. If you're going on vacation, know, know your loops that you're going to train on, you know, call a local running store up, use that as a resource, you know, ha- ask the local running community, Hey, you know, where's a good spot that I can do my, you know, 15 mile tempo run, you know, where's a good spot that I can go out and wh- wh- what's a great track that I can go to, to do my 10 times a quarter, you know, running stores. And now there's probably close to 2000 running specialty stores around the United States. That's a great starting point to keep you safer. Because they're going to not only have the information, they're also going to have group runs. They're also going to have products. They're also going to have that inside info that you may not have known about until you, you make that call and talk to a, you know, a, a running specialty store specialist. Yeah, I've heard people leaving their keys or something at the store when they go run. So if they don't mm-hmm. show up, then, hey, red flag. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's the, you know, the whole power in numbers, right? Like that's, that was one of the biggest tips I'd talk about. And you know, when some people will say, well, I like to run by myself. I'm like, okay, I like to run by myself too, just to get away from things. You know, it's kind of my, that de-stressing 30 minutes or an hour or whatever the run is. Or some people like to do their hard workouts by themselves. But you can still know where you're at, know that there's a, you know, somebody that's a half mile away, quarter mile away, you know, know the environment that you're about to go into to get your your walk, jogger running, you know. But, but I think some people get complacent or they think that, ah, oh, that'll never happen to me. It'll never happen on this side of the tracks, it'll, you know, it's not going to happen to me. And then they get complacent. They forget about the attack that happened seven months ago and they slowly go back to their old ways. And then that's when they become a target. Um, so to me, it's being diligent on, you know, each and every day, not to make it, not to make you stressed out about going for your run, but just, just make it part of your, your workout routine. Hey, this is going to be my itinerary for the week. I've got exactly where I'm going to run. I got my buddy system. If I'm going to use a friend to run with, I've got my group that I'm going to use. If I am going to run alone, I know that I probably to be smart should probably run at this time instead of that time. And then you go on your way and you, and you raise the percentages of being a lot safer. Yeah. And it's like, I run early in the morning for at least for the past two weeks and pretty much in the same small town. My girlfriend knows if she wakes up and I'm not home, that might be kind of weird. Same right. thing with a lot of my friends who I know, they run early in the morning. If all of a sudden I didn't see their message in the group chat or something might be weird there. Because like obviously the scenario is everything. I feel like people say you shouldn't run the same route all the time. But if you run the same route, you know 
if something is not okay going on in your route. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's, again, you know, back to the power in numbers, the, the areas that you can choose, if it's a park, if it's a trail, if it's, you know, whatever you're going to do for your run or your, you know, run, jog or walk, know that that area is a safe area. You know, and again, things can happen, but like if you're if you're out there, like for example, the Third Creek Bike Trail in Knoxville, Tennessee, it's a great. I love running that. There, there's, but there's times on that trail that it might not be as safe, and you know, and and then I might have to go over to Cherokee Boulevard when I was in Knoxville, which is kind of a, another great trail, but it's going to be a better choice for my safety to hit that trail. So you see what I mean? It's like I can do the same thing over and over, but I'll say, okay, I'm going to go if I am going to run early because I've got an early flight, then I'm going to hit Cherokee. If I, but if I want to run later in the day, then, okay, I'm going to hit third Creek because I like that route too. So I think that's where you making smart decisions on your safety. That's, that's part of the deal, you know, because again, going back to, we're never going to get rid of these creeps that are waiting to do something stupid, you know? And, and, and again, the more we can make smart choices, the less opportunity these creeps have put their hands on us. Yeah, exactly. So I guess take me into your class with, you know, run safer. How does it work? And kind of what are those steps that you really want to enforce? You know, the, the biggest thing with run safer, it's evolved over the years is, you know, I, I, just like I just told you, you know, we started out, I give a little background about, you know, how much I love running and how great a sport it is and, and all the opportunities it's, it's given me and given other people. Um, then I go into how I transitioned into jujitsu and self-defense and then how the run safer brand, you know, the run safe, I started the run safer company and then we get right into it. You know, we talk, uh, I'll mention maybe a local attack that happened because most of the time that I go to an area, something has happened recently. So I'll get into that discussion and then we go right into the scenario. You know, what would you do? What would you do if somebody grabbed you by the wrist and they tried to pull you into their car? What would you do if somebody came out and they push you by, you know, by the chest and they, and they drive you into the uh, bike, into the, you know, into the trail, you know, so we'll talk about scenarios and I have an assistant with me. So I'll show some techniques, you know, I'll show a grip break. I'll show a headlock escape. I'll show a mount escape. I'll show a back attack escape. So the audience can see like, man, this training is pretty powerful. And then after I show those scenarios and I show those techniques, potentially that you break free, create space. Then I talk about, well, yesterday I went to Monroe Jiu-Jitsu and that instructor is ready for you to come take some classes. And, and I'll talk about, don't be intimidated because you see cauliflower ears or you see somebody <laughs> that may, may look like a, a UFC monster, right? Because they're great people in there. And I just want to let you know, I've trained there. And they're ready for you to come start your self-defense journey. And so I, I, I cover that. You know, I try to cover like, okay, today's scenario would be, you know, somebody grabs you by the wrist. Somebody pushes you to the ground. Somebody is on top of you. They have you in a headlock. Somebody grabs you by the hair. Somebody grabs you by the shirt. You know, think about those type of things when we're doing these techniques. So that way you have to kind of have that mental dress rehearsal. You know, God forbid if anything ever happened, you have that in your head. Like, okay, I've trained this. I've trained this. It's... I can't imagine it's going to be scary, you know, just very scary for anybody to be in a scenario like that. But I think the more you can do the dress rehearsals, uh, the, the better chance you have if something ever went down in your life where you had to use technique to get out. Yeah. And I mean, the average person, they don't think that the other person is going to know anything. Like there's nothing more helpless than a person that's going to attack someone that knows like jujitsu or, you know, any kind of martial art. They think, uh, yeah, they can just punch and kick, but if you're on the ground with somebody, you got the person that's on the ground and they know just a little bit of jujitsu. Ooh, it's yeah. all about leverage and all of a sudden. Well, see, and that's the thing, you know, it's like, I think the more you train jujitsu or the more you train in a martial art that's, you know, focused on 
scenario based training, I think you don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be arrogant or somebody with a, you know, that's trained a long time. Never, they never want to be arrogant or complacent. Like, Hey, I know this and I'm Mr. Tough guy. But the reality is if somebody put, grab me by the shirt, that's happened to me thousands of times. If somebody grabs me by the neck, that's happened to me thousands of times. And I've used technique to get out of that with heavy resistance against somebody that knows how to train. Now, if somebody grabbed me that doesn't know any training, you're, you're correct. I'm going to have a much better chance to counter that attack and be able to potentially get out of there, create space. Because I, I always tell my students or tell anyone, my goal as, as an instructor, you know, because everybody goes, everybody, everybody th- assumes that if somebody grabbed me, I'd want to beat the, beat the hell out of them. No, I wouldn't. My goal would be to get out of there. I just want to get out and not even be involved in that scenario. Now, if I had to, if I had to take it to a next level or my students had to take it to a next level, their only goal is to escape. They don't want to stay in that scenario. They want to get out. And that's what I tell the beginner too. It's like anyone that listens to this podcast, my goal for you to take self-defense training, if it's jujitsu or another great martial art that you can use, my goal is for you to use that training. So if something, somebody does grab you and try to control you, that you can get the heck out of there and get back to your family, get back to your friends and, and live another day. It's not about beating somebody up. Yeah, exactly. You know, you want to get some kind of command and control and just get out of there. And then we'll go over some safety tips. But again, you know, which I think are probably the most important thing, the power in numbers, like I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, we talk about, you know, if you are going to wear headphones, make sure it's a, a volume where you can hear things going on around you. Know where you're going to park, no matter where it is when you're getting ready for your run. When you get out of your vehicle, when you come back to your vehicle, make sure you're making the smart decisions. Because, you know, there's so many safety tips that I that I cover, but I'll, I'll talk about those safety tips. And then we'll recap everything. And then we go into a Q&A. And that's where I'll start hearing more stories like, well, what would happen if they had a weapon or what, you know, in this scenario, um, a car pulled up and they were running real slow or, or riding real slow next to me. So I decided to jog across the street to create distance. I'm like, that's perfect. Yeah. Go with your gut feeling. A lot of people won't go with their gut feeling. So I'll learn from my audiences a lot, like this, you know, the decisions they've made to keep themselves safer, but also it happened in a really scary scenario, but they made that decision to do some of the things they've done. And at 60 minutes goes by pretty quick, but you know, I, I always finish it by saying like, here's the school, here's the place that you can train, get a group of walkers, a group of joggers, a group of runners, get together, go to that school and say, here, we want to learn scenario-based training. How can we get, you know, how can we learn to be safer? How can we learn to be able to create space? How can we learn to be able to break free if somebody put their hands on us? And, you know, I feel like every time I leave, um, you know, I leave a, a presentation that I've put seconds on their safety clock. And, and what I mean by that is if they've listened to one safety tip or they've, li- they've watched one technique or they go to the school, that if somebody put their hands on them, they've put an extra five or 10 seconds on their safety clock if, for somebody to come save them. You know, because imagine if you didn't fight back at all and didn't know anything, you're, you're not putting anything to your favor. Well, if you pay attention to self-defense, safety tips and instruction, at least that's turning your mind on to how important safety should be. So you're starting to get ahead of the game for your personal safety. One of the big things you mentioned was the safety clock. What is the safety clock? Well, the safety clock is just, uh, you know, I, I kind of made it up. It's like, for example, let's say you're running down a trail I grab you by the wrist and I start, let's say I'm pulling you down into the, into off the trail. Well, you see one of these techniques and you happen to be able to execute it under stress and you dropped your butt, you you break the grip. You're buying yourself time that you would have never had before due to the training, due to the safety tips, because you were paying attention to how important safety should be in my presentation. So putting positive time in a scenario, if somebody grabbed you on your safety clock. 
know what I mean? Like you don't want to go backwards on it. You don't, you don't want to be counterproductive with your safety training. You want to be able to put as many seconds on your cl- to the positive as possible. So let's say if it's in a parking lot at a store, um, you're coming out of a store, somebody targets you, they try to grab you. Well, boom, you, you're, you're listening. You remember you trained, look how much that valuable 10 seconds of time that you broke free. Now somebody's coming back into the parking lot to, to help you. That's what I, that's, uh, that's how I kind of mentioned it with the safety clock. And there's so many great tools. Like I, I spent a lot of time on, you know, there's Tim Kennedy. There's so many, you know, sheepdog response, so many great tools online too, that you can have access for, for personal safety. But again, every great instructor that I've ever met, and I've met, uh, I don't know, 50 world champion jujitsu. I mean, I've trained with these guys, you know, all the great self-defense instructors are all going to tell you got to get in there and you've got to train. Just like anything else that you do, if you want to be good at something, you got to get in there and feel the technique. You got to get in there and get pressure tested. You've got to do mental dress rehearsals of scenarios that could happen to you, you know, and, and that's the only way there, there is no quick fixes. You know, I, I always say when I'm on a podcast or any presentation, all I can do today is plant a seed and then hopefully it grows and then you expand and you expand and, and that, and the, you're your self-defense seed just blossoms because you're going to take it and run with it. Yeah. And part of those safety tips, you know, don't be predictable, right? You know, walk empowered. If someone's going to grab you, they're going to hope that you're just going to be submissive and quiet. Yeah. If you're loud, kicking and screaming, that might yeah. scare them away a little bit. Well, well, you know, Joe, the one thing I, you know, and I don't, it's horrible, horrible what happened in Memphis. It's horrible what happened to, you know, a young lady in Seattle when she was assaulted on her run a few years back. And, but, you know, when I think about a scenario, you know, let's say if somebody grabbed my daughter, and they try to pull them into a vehicle, let's say, or, you know, and I, and I talk to my daughters all the time about this when they were younger. I'm like, you know, if you can drop to your butt and, ju- and this is just a simple lesson, somebody grabs you by the wrist and they try to pull you into a vehicle to take you somewhere, drop to your butt, start screaming. I'm, I'm not going, I'm not, you know, as loud as, and you're on your, on the, on your ground and you're breaking free, it's much more difficult to transport someone when they're on the ground with all their weights low than it is when you're standing, when they have a more ability to grab you, bear hug you and transport you. You see what I mean? So if, yeah. if, somebody, if somebody ever grabbed you by the shirt and you drop to the ground, you know how hard it is why they're under stress because they think a car is coming down the road and they want to try to get you in somewhere quick, but you're on the ground screaming. That's, the, you know, those are those simple and not simple. Those are the scary techniques that you're going through in your head like man i never really thought about like if i dropped in the parking lot if somebody's trying to pull me somewhere it's going to be much more difficult for them to lift me up while i'm flailing my arms and my legs and screaming and that person's waiting for another car to come down the road or come into the parking lot you know what i mean yeah they definitely don't want to they don't want to make a scene no no i mean they want to do it and again that's one scenario now would i tell somebody somewhere else to go to the ground no but in certain scenarios, you might want to go to the ground. So it's much more difficult for somebody to transport. And again, my biggest goal is for you to get the heck out of there and create space. It's not about breaking someone's arm. It's not about choking somebody out. It's not about putting somebody in a heel hook. It's not any of that. Now, you're going to learn a lot of that if you train long enough. But again, a good self-defense instructor is still going to tell you, disengage as fast as possible. Get back in your car and get the heck out of there. Disengage as fast as possible using technique if needed get back to your house, get back into a store, get back into a populated area. That's going to be the great instruction that you're going to receive. You know, if you walk into a, any type of, you know, school and they're like, I'm going to teach you how to beat the hell out of somebody in the first, you know, in the first, that's that, I w- you know, it is what it is, but I wouldn't recommend that school. 
I, I want a school where you're learning technique to break free, escape, minimal damage, and then get out. And that's the beautiful thing. Like Jocko, I don't know if you listen to Jocko. It always, you know, he has a great <laughs> podcast. What does Jocko always say? If you can run, that's your best self-defense tool. Try to create space to get out of that scenario. You know, and then what does Jocko say? Number two, find a jujitsu school and train. And that's coming from a Navy SEAL that's probably one of the toughest guys in the world. <laughs> um, and then what what does he say? Try de-escalate. Try your best to get out. You know, don't get into the physical confrontation. Create space and get out. And, you know, that no different advice than an Olympian. I'm a two-time Olympian. I'm going to tell you the same thing. I'm a black belt. I've been doing this for 21 years. It's I want you out of there. I don't want you inside of a fight. I want you out of that fight and stop the fight. Yeah, exactly. And what I think one of those big things too is, you know, the attacker is going to assume you're alone. And I know mm-hmm. one of the points with um, run safer is your safety word. Yeah. So this, that's a good, I, I, you're, you're, I, you know, I can tell you're reading those off my favorite list there, right? The safety word, um, the invisible <laughs> man. I believe I call it the invisible man. So this tip I learned from another self-defense instructor that he, he would teach his students and again, I always go back to all the great people I've met. So I never take credit for, I, I always give credit to all the people that have helped me. And this instructor told his students, if you're alone and somebody starts to approach you, have a name in your head, you're going to start screaming out like that person's right around the corner. So for example, you're in a parking garage coming out of a store or coming out of the airport, wherever it is. And parking garages can be super scary, right? Sometimes you're in there you're like, whoa, you know, you're alone. As soon as that door shuts behind you, car start looking like I'm the only one in here. Well, this, the, one of his students used the safety tip of the invisible man or the, 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 the safety name. She was walking to her vehicle. A guy came out behind her about 20 yards behind her. And she started, she rushed to the car and started yelling to her husband that wasn't even there. Like, why didn't you come in with me? You know, <laughs> she came in and the guy now, not to say that this tip saved, you know, potentially saved that assault, saved her from an assault, but the guy did a 180 and went away. So any, t- you know, Having a name like that, that made total sense to me because us as runners and joggers and walkers, when we're out there, if we do find ourselves and somebody's approaching, act like Bill's right around the corner. Act like Mark's right around the corner. Anything for you to throw that doubt in that attack, potential attacker's head that somebody's coming, that's going to help you. Because to your point again, a majority of the attacks that you and I've witnessed in the headlines that we've read, a majority of the attacks are on women and when they're alone. We don't read that many headlines or, or news stories that say seven women were attacked by one guy at uh, this park in somewhere. You know, yeah, we, we, I don't think I've ever read that. You know, it's always a one-on-one situation where somebody's been targeted, they've been followed, and they've been, you know, they've been assaulted. Yeah, exactly. So I know we talked, or I messaged you a little bit about the two scenarios, mm-hmm. and I mean, obviously, these are scenarios that I've heard firsthand that you know, sometimes they happen. And um, I guess we can kind of break down what to do, you know, in these kind of scenarios. Yeah. So scenario, scenario number one, I believe you mentioned uh, runners approach confronted and somebody grabs her chest. Correct. Yes. Scenario number one. So in that scenario, I'd I'd have to know more about, was it, if somebody pushes you by the chest or grabs you by the chest, was it, was the person staying there or did he just grab and go, you see what I'm saying? So like if, if somebody's just being an idiot and they come up and they physically touch you and then they walk away, then, Hey, you call you get to the nearest, you know, get your cell phone out, call the cops, say, Hey, I've just been assaulted. This guy had the description. Maybe he had a, 
black hoodie on with a black hat and, you know, whatever shoes and have that description. Try to get that description of that individual, right? Because that's important. Make that mental snapshot of the individual that tried to harm you or, you know, put his hands on you. Now, that's scenario one on that. But scenario two, if he's if he stays on you and he's grabbing you, that again, that's where training comes into play. You're trying to break the grips. You're trying to create space. If you have to, you're going to the targets. You're going to the eyes, the ears, the nose, the throat, the groin, rapid fire, not stopping, also being loud and acting like somebody's coming right down the trail using that safety name. And it's rapid fire. It's not just one hit. It's as many hits as possible. It's as many grip, you know, breaking the grip as you become a person that is going to be obsessed of getting out of that scenario. You know, and again, somebody grabs me by the chest on a, on a, on a trail, I'm going to give them a look. And then it's, that person's going to be like, I just picked the wrong person. You know, they, they would realize right away that they picked the wrong person. You know, I mean, that's, that's kind of the mindset you have to have, you know, so that, that would be my, that would be my advice on scenario. Number one, if they grab the chest and they get away, try to get a physical description as close as possible. Get on your phone, know where you're at, get the cops there as soon as possible. If you find yourself engaged, that's when the training kicks in. That's the reason I tell people to train, you know, have some strategies, know where to hit, know how to hit, know how long you should hit, which is going to be until you get out and know the techniques to be able to break free and save your life. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that scenario number two, because most of even just like a fight, normally you're in the standing position, but now you're running, someone comes up, they've pushed you into the bushes and now you're, you're off the trail. Mm-hmm. And it's the ground game. Yeah. Scenario number two, and that's the ground, and that's jujitsu, right? That, and that's, you're, you're hitting, like, I feel like you're my sales guy for my school or something, marketing guy. <laughs> you're, you're, you're covering everything that I do. I mean, you're basically, or not just Minnow Jiu-Jitsu, but any great Jiu-Jitsu school. And again, your area, Rob, I mean, I could name some good ones right there, but they're, they're going to, they're going to show you how to break. Like if somebody pushes you, you're going to break fall. You're going to uh, know how to fall. You're going to know how to impact the ground. You're going to be, you're going to know if somebody's approaching you after they put you in the bushes, how to use your feet to kick, how to create space, how to start to yell that safety name, how to do as many things you can possibly do to get up as as efficient as possible to be able to get back out of that trail, you know, and, and if somebody's fully mounted. So like when you sent that scenario number two, I was, I was picturing I'm out there running. Somebody surprise attacks me. They push me. I trip into the bushes after the push. Now I'm on my back. Now they're on a full mount position where they're trying to choke me. You know, so this is what hits my head when I see those scenarios. You know, and and most people that hear that, their heart rate goes up and they start sweating thinking, holy shit, what would I do? You know, but through jiu-jitsu training and and good self-defense training, at least least you're going to have a fighting chance to know like, okay, I can use my hips to bump him off me. I can use my hips and, and keep my heels close to my butt so I can keep him moving so he can't get a good, good grip on my neck. And then what are we doing? We're buying ourselves time for that other person that just jumped on the trail that's going to be able to be, get closer to you to save you. So you're fighting for every single second. You're fighting for a fighting chance. You know, and that would be scenario number two. You know, you're going to you break fall. You can use your feet to kick. You're going to use your mouth as loud as you can for that person coming down the trail. If they get on top of you, we're keeping our distance super tight so they can you can minimize the strike damage or the choking damage. And then when they start pushing away from you, we can go back to our feet. 
And again, no different than standing. If you have to engage, it's rapid fire using good technique to be able to break free and, and, and stop the fight and get out of there. And, and, and to me, I always think about like people listen to this podcast because you're always going to have the peanut gallery. They're going to go, well, that blah, blah, blah. That's what they're going to say. They're going to try to counter. <laughs> they're going to try to counter what I'm saying. And then I'm going to go, okay, what's the, what's, what's the alternative? What if you don't fight back? What if you don't know anything? It's done, right? It's, if somebody's striking you or somebody's trying to choke you or somebody's trying to pull you somewhere, somebody's trying, if you don't do anything at all, it's over. So you have to you have to have something in your head that tells you I'm gonna fight back. And the more I train technique, the more I can utilize the technique to be able to break free. Yes, and now people are gonna say, well, what if a weapon's evolved? Okay, then we t- we're training that too. We're training as many things as possible through our history, through our experiences, through our um, knowledge from other instructors that's worked at a higher percentage. Right. So some people will say, well. If that happened, well, I've heard this story. Well, my thing is, if you have a good instructor that has years of experience, they're going to say, percentages say, if you do this, you've got a better chance to escape. You know, And a great example, Hinzo Gracie, who's one of the most famous uh, jiu-jitsu practitioners, martial artists, Hall of Famer of all time, two days ago, he was attacked at the subway in New York. <laughs> this guy didn't know it was Hinzo Gracie. He go, this guy came out of nowhere and told him to stop speaking Portuguese. And Hinzo was like, what? Next thing you know, the guy grabs him and, uh, and tries to slam him to the ground. And Hinzo, like, it, and that's a great, it's on Instagram. It's, it's like viral right now, you know, millions and millions. Hinzo, like, was in shock for a second, but, you know, got to his back, got him in a, and told him to calm down. You know, he told the guy, he goes, you know, God, you know, he didn't punch him. He didn't choke him. Hinzo's 56 years old. And that's the, a, a real scenario in the subways in New York, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and that's just back to the point. Like the average person that is more than likely to be the attacker, they're not trained. They, you know, they're desperate. They're they're not p- planning out the scenario to the fact that what if she, he or she, mm-hmm. you know, resists? They're not going to think about the you know their victim getting leverage, pulling those feet back, right? You know, getting those hips up, moving. No. They're not, you know, but that is, that's also, that's, that's true. And one point it's good, but at the same time, the one thing you got to remember, if somebody's going to choose to attack you, they are going to be on you. Like, because they're, they're not right. Right. So they're only like, their only focus is to hurt you, abduct you or, or murder you. Right. So you as a normal mind, right. You have to be able to use it, you know, execute a technique under stress, knowing that that person's only goal is to hurt you. And you're right. If they don't know anything and you do know a a, a good level of self-defense and and training, you are in an advantage because their movements are going to put that aggressiveness. You're going to counter that aggressiveness and use that against them. Um, But again, that's the reason I I, I probably said this 10 times already in this podcast. You've got to find a good school and you've got to train. And, you know, you, it's like just like a grip break, just like a, a collar grab, just like a break fall, just like a neck grab from behind, uh, just like somebody's walking towards you and you see a weapon in their right hand and they're 20 yards away. What are we doing? Somebody got a baseball bat. There's two people to my left. They look like with the person in front of me. Should I go to my right real quick? Hell yeah, you should. You know, though, you know, that's the type of things that we need to talk about, you know, just like the lady at the one seminar. 
hey, I was jogging on this side of the sidewalk. I saw two kids coming toward me. So I decided to, in a safe way, run across the other side of the street to create distance. And she looked at me like, was that okay? I'm 100% it was okay. You know, so that's what I'm talking about, you know, and, and, and I can't stress anymore how important visual training on top of the physical tactics are, but you got to do it and you got to do it a lot, not just one time. That's the reason, you know, I love my run safer presentations, but it's really, it's really a time. It's the 60 minute time period that I get to tell you to go train. That's what it is. Yeah. And I guess we can kind of wrap it up with, you know, if you had five big tips, five, you know, the big five for, for women in safety and running, what would those five big tips be? Number one is find a good, a good school, (laughs) jujitsu or good martial art that's teaching you scenario-based training that are talking about scenarios, situations. So every class you go to, it could be a grip break, could be a guy approaching you in a parking lot, could be somebody approaching you in a parking garage on a running trail. So number one, find a good school and a good instructor that you feel comfortable with and then train your butt off. Number two, if you choose not to do that, then really be diligent about where you're going to train and who you're going to train with, right? So that goes into number three, which is going to be, which is right up there with number one, if if you're not going to train, is going to be power in numbers. Find a trail, find a park, find a track, you know, find, find a place that's going to have people around within it, within one safety name yell, that's going to save you if something, you know, scary ever happened to you. But again, usually in a populated park, track, bike trail, wherever it is, usually you're not reading headlines about that area because it's populated and somebody that's scary isn't choosing that area to target someone, right? So, Number one, find a great place to train with a great instructor you feel comfortable with. Number two, uh, what did I say there for number two was, um, oh, uh, oh, I know what I was going to ask. So when you, when you look at number three, the power of numbers, number four, let's go back to find a good running specialty store. You know, use that as a resource in your area. Get on Google and find, just punch in running specialty store in your, in whatever, if it's in Monroe, Michigan, like run hip would pop. And that store owner or that's or a staff in that that store is going to be able to tell you where you can go to be safer when you're out doing your activity. And then number five, guess what? I'm going to go back to, I'm going to go back to number one, find a place to train. That's my top five, find a place to train. And then, and then you're going to be that you're going to be in a better situation for your personal safety. Yeah, those are great. And then, and then I'd say this, Joe, it's like, I know I, I want to finish a podcast by saying, Let's just know that running is the best activity. I love it. it you know, I, I'm still doing, I ran three, uh, oh yeah, I ran three miles this morning. If you want to call it running, I'm still out there. I'm um, not running as fast anymore, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's a great activity. Uh, don't be scared when you're out going out for your walk, jog, or run. Just know that scary people are always going to exist. And just know for me personally, I want everyone out there to be safer. And by, by training self-defense, by training jujitsu, our great martial art, it's just going to help you have a better experience when you're out there and you won't have to have as much worry in your head, but just keep enjoying your runs. Take advantage of all the great parks and all the great trails that are out there. Just make sure you make smart decisions for your safety. Yeah, exactly. Cause we definitely don't want any more uh, horrible situations, you know, that happened in Memphis and, and that, you know, I feel, feel so that family's it's just horrible that ha- that happened. And I hate reading headlines and I hate having to do these podcasts when these things come up. Um, and that's the reason I'm so passionate about trying to help people and 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 telling people to train and and do the things they need to do to be safer 
Heck yeah. Well, let me jump. I got to jump off here and get this butter roll started. It's called the butter roll. So I'm going to get this. I'm going to be rolling for, like I said, 51 minutes straight here in a second with this big monster guy from Finley. He's a big monster black belt. So we're going to go at it. I think I've got about 60 people going to be on the mats tonight. It's going to be good. Yeah. Well, hey, heck yeah. I appreciate it. This is awesome. Well, like I said, if you want to reach out and go over another topic, running, whatever, just uh, reach out to me. I like I like trying to help. And right, you take care of yourself and keep up the good work. Cool. We'll do. All right. Take care. Yep. You too. All right. Thanks, Joe. And there we have it for episode 56 of the Florida Trail Runners podcast. I just want to thank you for tuning in. And, you know, this is a fun podcast. I love doing it. And sometimes there's just a topic that we got to talk about. We got to get serious about. And it's something that really affects our the whole running community. You know, the topic might be sensitive, might be uncomfortable. Everyone's going to have an opinion. But, you know, what happened is heartbreaking. It never should have occurred, but hopefully we can all do our part to keep each other safe out there on the roads, on the trails, at races, in training, everything. Bottom line is, I think it's good for everyone to learn at least just a little bit of self-defense, you know, just for, for all walks of life. It's something that anyone can do no matter the size or age. Running should be fun, and running is fun. It's our way to relax, find peace. We all look forward to the run, but being prepared is really essential. Stay alert. Have a good time and stay safe. So, hey, if you're looking for that morning run, Wednesday group run, the weekend run, you know, whatever run you're looking for, there are so many groups online. There are so many groups that you could find on Facebook. You know, you've got the the fur group, Florida Ultra Runners. You've got the Florida Trail and Ultra Group, Central Florida Trail Runners. You've got the Trail Sisters of Southwest Florida, the Runners for Recovery Community, Loud Runners here in Tampa. You know, you've got Run Tampa, the Tampa Bay Trail Runners. You've got the Tush Group, Miami Ultra Runners, the Crop Dusters, San Falasco Trail Runs, Jack's Trail Running, the O-Town Blazers in the Orlando area. And honestly, there's just so many more. And another note that's really cool is a lot of our races here in Florida, we have Facebook groups for them. You know, Keys 100, Monroe Cross Trail 50 Mile, Lost 118, the Pinellas Trail Challenge, Azalea 12 Hour, 24 Hour, the September Suffer Fest, River to Sea, Swamp, Iron Horse. A lot of these races are full of the people that you're going to see out there on the trail. So it's not a bad look to check out. And hey, if anyone wants to run out at the Green Swamp, just let me know. That's where I put my races on and I'm down to run there whenever. But hey, that's it for episode 56. Until next time, happy trails.